Thank you for tuning in to Sparks and Honey's Daily Culture Briefing. My name is Ben Gridspan, and today we're going to be looking at culture in the vertical using Q, our AI-powered cultural intelligence platform, to pull in and quantify cultural data from around the world to help us inform the insights we're about to discuss. Joining me today as my co-briefer, we have Carrera Kernick. Welcome back, Carrera. Uh, we are joined in person today by Danny Thibodeau. Hello, Danny. Saif Ahmed, nice to see you. And as I said, we have uh, two very special uh, guests joining us remotely, the Bearded Faction for today, Jacob Burns and Rob Henze. Greetings to our remote guests. And guys, today we are about to get all, we are about to all test, I believe, our understanding of the world of Web3 and crypto uh, by talking about DAOs or, uh, you know, uh, well, we'll get into all, what all of that means, right? So um, let's dive on into talking about crypto organizing, right? Uh, our system uh, does a pretty good job here, I think, of, 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 of pulling in information about, uh, about these decentralized autonomous organizations. And as I said, don't worry, we're going to get a lot more to that, right? But ultimately, what we are talking about today is using blockchain and crypto technology to kind of better organize uh, overall our conversation um, uh, about the way in which we want to structure organizations and the way in which uh, we want to maybe move forward uh, with certain, um, you know, with, with new technologies. And so our main element of culture here right now uh, is flattening, which makes a ton of sense. This is an element of culture that we see pretty regularly uh, when we talk about things like NFTs, because ultimately they're all about like bringing down barriers, making things uh, flatter and more horizontal. Um, Carrera, I'm, I'm curious if you want to dive on here and, uh, and, and let us know what elements of culture you think are particularly useful yeah. to talk about these decentralized autonomous organizations. Absolutely. I think EOCs, the ones that we have just naturally at Sparks and Honey, are becoming the battle cry of Web3. So we've got distributed trust and open, uh, maybe even saying data divinity and icon toppling. We are trying to kind of topple these old structures, whether it be the banks or how the future of work or, yeah. or all these different things are crumbling under the promises of Web3. So um, great job to, you know, our Sparks and Honey team for these names. Uh, they're spot on, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we're not only going to talk about the future of, of, of team building and organizations, we're going to talk about the future of hamburgers. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to tease that right now. Okay. So I think the, like, literally the most important thing we have to do, if we accomplish anything in this briefing, is to figure out WTF, a DAO is, right? So Kathy Hackle, not to be confused with New York Governor Kathy Hochul, uh, asks readers in a recent piece in Forbes, quote, can you imagine a way of organizing with other people around the world without knowing each other and establishing your own rules and making your own decisions um, uh, autonomously all encoded on a blockchain? Well, a DAO is there to do just that. So DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, are a form of organizational architecture represented by rules included in transparent computer programming, controlled uh, by all the organization members and not influenced by, like, a, a central hierarchy or, or government, right? Um, as the rules are embedded into the code, no managers are needed, thus removing the bureaucracy or, say, middlemen. Hackle tells us that some of the, uh, quote, uh, today's internet users and next generation are looking uh, forward to starting social organizations, searching for an answer to how can we exchange values in a trusted environment? She goes on to say that the blockchain enables um, automated trust transactions and value exchanges. Uh, but even so, internet users around the world want a way to organize themselves in a safe and effective way uh, to work with like-minded folks uh, wherever they may be, right? So this is all a trust-building exercise. Um, just another little bit here from the article. Quote, 
Bitcoin is generally considered to be the first fully functional DAO, uh, as it uh, has programmed rules, functions autonomously, and is coordinated through a consensual protocol. Of course, not every DAO has been as successful as Bitcoin, Hackle tells us. Um, there are some examples of ones that have sort of tried and failed, right? She talks about a German startup called Slock, sorry, Stock.it um, that tried to use DAO architecture to become like a crowdsourced Airbnb alternative, right? The idea was like, you can rent my space out, you can pay this money, there's no need to kick that money up to Airbnb for fees, which I think we're all very aware of at the moment. Um, but it didn't work, right? There were, uh, it, it raised money, but ultimately the thing sort of collapsed uh, under its own weight. So I guess the question then is, what would make a DAO successful? Why is Bitcoin successful when this German, uh, you know, hotel startup wasn't? Well, Hackle tells us DAOs need the following elements to be fully functional, right? A set of rules uh, to which uh, they will operate, funding like tokens that organizations uh, can spend to reward certain activities to their members, and also to provide uh, voting rights for established operation rules. Also, and more importantly, uh, is a well and secure structure uh, that uh, allows every in uh, investor to configure that organization. So we need rules, we need a token, uh, and we need uh, maybe even a little bit of trust. So we have just gone through some very complicated stuff right here, right? But ultimately, DAOs are a new way of organizing uh, like-minded groups of people who may not be in the same room or in the same institution around the same set of rules based on the blockchain. So Saif, I have to start with you here. You're our you know, CTO. We're going we're gonna to make you explain some stuff to us here. And I guess my question for you is, have you been hearing much more about DAOs lately? I believe you have a little bit of breaking news if you'd like to tell us uh, about it. I hope I don't get you in too much trouble, but I'm curious what you have been seeing about people's uptake of, of these DAO organizational structures. Yeah, uh, people are excited right now, right? Mm. Um, I think it, it makes sense because um, think back to the early 2000s and before you had ISDA contracts. That allowed people to trade across Wall Street mm -hmm. deeply. Right? Then you had safe agreements that allowed startups to get funding left and right because you had easy, simple agreements, right? How do you take that to the next level without lawyers, where you can just go into a transaction quickly, understand the rules, not have to spend time tearing up contracts or dealing with lawyers? I mean, DAOs solve a lot of these problems. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and one problem that I think is really important, and Rob, I'd love to bring you in here because I know you know, as our policy lead, you have spent a lot of time thinking about this, is to me that question of trust, right? Uh, that a DAO offers kind of a new trust paradigm that is both a richer sense of trust and also kind of zero trust. The rules are written, they're harder to break. So Rob, why, is, why would a new uh, trust paradigm matter to people right now in a way that it might not have, you know, 10 years ago when some of this, uh, you know, was also theoretically possible? Well, I think when it comes to sort of trust in, you know, communities either specific to crypto or to NFTs or to a lot of the kind of like adjacent spaces to what we're talking about, it's a good thing, right? I, I read this piece this week uh, in, in an article, uh, uh, this uh, expert on NFTs was saying that in OpenSea, which is the biggest NFT marketplace that mm -hmm. exists right now, that about 80% of the NFTs that are minted for free on its platform were either plagiarized works, fake collections, or spam, right? And that's one data point, but emblematic, I think, of some of the trust issues that are, you know, bigger societal humanity-based issues, but are, you know, taking shape within these environments. 
<clears throat> you know, there've been a couple of really noteworthy, you know, pump and dump schemes, mm -hmm. right? That um, in, in the crypto space that have been busted up and unfortunately are get, making a bad name for some of the really legitimate projects that are tapping into this technology. So I think that more constructs uh, that we can introduce, particularly as this technology goes from sort of early adopters to mainstream users, the more of these constructs that we can introduce to create more trust will be uh, most welcome, particularly if we want to uh, you know, make adoption more exponential. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I will say I finally know people who have been crypto scammed. I was wondering when that would pop up. And so it seems to be uh, out there in the ether. So, okay. We now have uh, established a little bit of what these decentralized autonomous organizations are, um, but let's talk about their relationship to Web3. Yeah, absolutely. For, so for this next signal, we're going to dive just a bit deeper into what a DAO is and how it can be used to kind of reform organizations, maybe even present us with a future of work. So as Ben mentioned, when we're thinking about the benefits of DAOs, we're thinking about leveraging smart contracts to kind of automate business functions. Um, and the core idea is to flatten business processes to facilitate movement of as uh, assets faster and at less cost due to the absence of inter intermediaries like lawyers, like Saif was saying. And this article goes on to explore how DAOs may fuel an economic revolution giving birth to new creator economies. So it can connect artists and lawyers and developers and creators together to create ideas and monetize them in Web3 and essentially define this new future of work. Um, the last thing I'll say is DAOs provide a unique structure that naturally supports a creator economy in which you can rent your talent out, um, you can obtain flexibility and earnings and leverage it to facilitate fractional ownership in the system mm. supported and governed by the community. You know, it's a community-based system. So I've got a question for Saif. Uh, in your opinion, what do you think will be the most interesting effects of Web3 on the future of work? Yeah, I, I think financing the arts is going to mm. be the most interesting thing. So breaking news, I am now a co-owner in Nas's new album. Um, I purchased it on OpenSea. Um, I didn't involve any lawyers. I paid some Ethereum gas fees and the like. Uh, but overall, I'm going to be getting perpetual royalties on his new album by virtue of this NFT I just purchased. Now, think about how amazing this is. I am part owner in an artist's work that I love. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I did it in 45 minutes. There were no lawyers involved, and now imagine how much I love Brooklyn. And imagine I can go invest in a hundred budding musicians. Mm. And ideally, get a bit of a sweetener if one of them takes off, right? And get some royalties along the way. Yeah. All of this without lawyers, which means the cost is low enough for a lot of people to participate, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to already be a breakout artist to participate. That's the exciting thing for me. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about that is that, there, well, there are two things to me that interest me about the idea of using music for this, right? Well, first of all, like, Spotify exists, right? It's a platform. There is a monetization. We understand how people make money from music now. They don't make a ton of money, but they also do make money by touring, and scarcity is what really matters. And to me, that's kind of what makes me interested in the idea of investing in music through a DAO or an NFT rather than 
art in a certain way, like the, the Board Ape Yacht Club and the JPEGs, like you can right click and save those and you can do whatever you want with them. They're not actually proprietary mm -hmm. in, in that way. But Yeah, and we've seen music artists like push back against labels. And yeah. this could almost be that like circumnavigating. I'm almost interested in, you know, if there's like a hundred people that hold a stake in an artist, can they vote like, well, we want you to do a country album next. And like, well, actually we want you to live in Paris or, you know, shave your hair or dye it blue. Break or up whatever. with your boyfriend because you do better music when you're sad. Yes. yes. And how much access <laughs> will we grant ourselves? Um, I've got another question, kind of a sure. follow-up question for Rob. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, the cultural shifts that we might see or the work shifts that we might see or may not see uh, due to Web3? Well, obviously, it, it's it's a set of <clears throat> excuse me, a set of technologies that has offers great opportunity for the creator class as a way to protect your work, as a way, as Saif mentioned, to facilitate safe transactions, and and more generally to facilitate bigger monetization in digital environments. Right? I mean, it, it's a whole new space to engage in commerce, and you know, this is a way to whether you call them creative class or whether you call them entrepreneurs and small mm -hmm. businesses. Right? There's there's there is certainly a lot of promise there. Um, and there seemingly are some strong backend benefits, you know, for larger organizations, right, in terms of, you know, sourcing and tracking and ensuring consumer safety. Um, and I think on that point, what one sort of like big question I think that remains to be seen, right, is, you know, it's one thing to set up you know, a, a restaurant in the metaverse that where you can order food and have it delivered to your house, right? But when it comes to sort of greater adoption and sort of impact like the core of a business, we'll see if sort of Fortune 100, Fortune 500 type of organizations want to participate in decentralized networks when it comes to like foundational business operations versus more sort of tactical efforts in different environments to engage with people. I think that that's a, a big if. Uh, when it comes to organizations that are inherently centralized. Yeah. So let's move to a couple examples of like real life DAOs that are being organized because uh, I think it'll help us kind of figure out what the heck is going on here. And I did promise everybody a signal here uh, about hamburgers and I am uh, I am going to deliver that. Okay, so um, uh, let's start here. The Spoon reports that a new community uh, called Burger DAO wants to create a decentralized burger franchise. The group is, quote, looking to create ghost kitchen burger chains uh, with funding derived from the sale of tokens for an organization via this site, ju Jukebox. Owners of the Burger Dow tokens uh, would have a say in the operational structure, as well as in things of menu creation. Hmm. Uh, the group also plans to use funding from token sales to eventually hire operational staff, uh, and likely paying service fees to ghost kitchen companies as well, who knew those existed. Um, according to the group, the operations profits would go back to the treasury, which would result in appreciation in the value of the token. So you're not getting a penny from each of the uh, burgers sold. You are gaining value in the, in the ability to buy into the DAO, right? The value of your token, if you wanted to say, flip it. Now, the question for me is, is this a real innovation or just a Web3 Nothing burger. Um, our ownerships and the trust uh, uh, and, and trust the chief concerns in the burger space right now, or might this be just like trying to play an experiment with uh, with I don't know uh, organizational structures? So as writer Michael Wolf notes here, 
Um, on the one hand, the idea of a decentralized burger franchise is interesting, but I suspect it won't be easy to pull off. In explaining the motivation for the concept, the group organizing it uh, points to virtual restaurant startups which are operationalizing real food now, um, but with more easily distributed investment opportunities and benefits, right? They want to give everybody the ability to do what some of these uh, companies have been doing for years if you know the right people, right? Um, the group that explains much of their initial costs will be in finding and working with a kitchen operator. In other words, Burger Dow. Um, is sort of against the idea of centralized management and gatekeepers, but it will likely need to find a group that has a relationship with kitchen operators or build a relationship with and pay a for-profit ghost kitchen operator for themselves. So they want to get rid of the big guys, but it's very hard to do that because the big guys have access to things like, you know, uh, r- uh, real estate and grills and relationships with Cargill and all the meat it serves, right? So... Um, I guess the question is, is this, again, is this an experiment that is valuable or just, you know, uh, uh, something that, uh, I don't know, um, uh, that might just be a new way to sell some some tokens to, I guess, some potential suckers. Jacob, uh, you know, the food business is notoriously fickle. I'm curious, will DAOs solve that issue um, or just cause more people to lose, I don't know, smaller amounts of money? You know, there's like an old joke. If uh, the best way to end up with a million dollars at the end of the year in the food business is to start with five million, um, I guess I'm curious if this is a way to spread some of that risk around. Yeah, and I have strong opinions on this one. I've been an active member of the NYC Burger Club, a monthly burger meeting club in New York City for the better part of the last decade. So, wow, hearing this definitely raised some uh, some strong feelings from me. So, a couple things. First off, we could argue about the suitability of a burger uh, in terms of the quality it loses in a delivery service that this DAO is focused on with ghost kitchens, but we'll set that aside for another time. I think the two really interesting use cases that you can kind of decouple from this, there's one, the DAO as a fundraising vehicle to launch a restaurant, and second, the actual governance of how the restaurant's going to run. From a fundraising standpoint, there's, is this just Kickstarter with crypto? I mean, that's a valid question because this isn't the only food-oriented or restaurant-oriented DAO that's out there. Uh, other ones have been very focused as, is this a new fundraising model to kickstart restaurants in terms of getting restaurants up very quickly and meeting that money as opposed to going to private investors or making big promises on like a crowd-raising uh, platform like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Yeah. So the other half of this is governance. They're promising a lot. Um, in terms of being able to really influence like the actual operation of this like restaurant. Um, And that's interesting because they're actually looking for a franchise model across multiple cities and nationwide, which is a really brand driven thing. And when you decentralize control of a brand, it's a question of how do you get consistency for a franchise model that the main goal is to get a consistent experience across different locations. You're promising specific control of each franchise on different cities um, in a lot of degree of variation between them. So it'll be interesting to see like when you decentralize that level of control and decision-making, how does that make for a brand experience? I think that, yeah, I think that's a fabulous point. Danny, uh, let me bring you in here because I guess I'm curious I'm sitting here thinking, well, might there be other industries beyond food that this would be better suited for? But also, I'm just sort of curious, like, is this not based on industry, but based on sort of founder, right? Like, is this the kind of thing that's valuable for people who don't have a ton of money but have a good idea instead of saying, well, it's perfect for the food industry, but not for the beauty industry? I mean, where where do you land on that? 
Yeah, I think there are a couple of different industries that this would benefit from. The first being anything that's direct to consumer. So you think about retail in general and then also the crowd sharing economy. That's, you know, you mentioned the one um, that was German that failed earlier, mm-hmm. but can always do it better. And then uh, we've talked a lot about fundraising, but thinking about things of how do you support your community in terms of GoFundMe? What does that look like in terms of a DAO? We've seen a lot of people kind of banding together, even from a healthcare perspective, right? Of, you know, putting money in and supporting one another. And uh, so kind of the sky's the limit. And if you bring it down to the community level and have people reinvest in one another and those who they trust on a one-to-one basis, that's where I see DAOs really kind of taking on a life of their own. A healthcare DAO is a really grim idea, but um, (laughs) we have a healthcare DAO. It's called socialized medicine. Uh, Let's keep moving, okay? Um, Because uh, we've talked a little bit about the world of entertainment, so let's talk about the world of sports. Feels very appropriate after our conversation about potatoes yesterday. Um, So one fact about uh, professional football that's unpleasant is that four out of five uh, athletes will find themselves in in financial straits uh, in just two years after retirement, right? They get huge inflows of money uh, that come uh, when they play and then disappear very suddenly uh, when they are trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their lives, right? So Yahoo News in this article reports that now, uh, backed by 45 professional athletes, a new group called the Players Company uh, is putting the the final touches on a Web3 infrastructure that will support its vision for a social wealth club, basically a DAO for former uh, for, for former football athletes, right? Uh, next month, TPC, as it's known, will roll out a gamified digital banking and education application uh, to formally introduce the players' company DAO, this com- uh, community uh, that will exist to, quote, educate, build, and promote collaboration on the journey to wealth for this very specific group of people. Uh, the desire to protect athletes led uh, TPC uh, to uh, DAOs, right? So one founder explained that the transparent, decentralized nature of DAO will ensure that, T- uh, that TPC members can, quote, authentically execute, uh, uh, sorry, TPC can authentically um, execute on its mission to create a community aligned uh, economically and socially uh, for the benefits of its members, right? And the thing here, too, is it's not just about the money not showing up when you stop playing football. It's that oftentimes these people have lawyers or agents or managers who behave in unscrupulous ways or who put the, or who invest them in, you know, in, in bad investments, and suddenly that's why a lot of these people lose their money. It's not necessarily that they're profligate. It's that they don't have decent management, right? And the whole idea of the player company is to uh, not just educate people, but to create this sort of banking space enabled by tokens that will allow them to more safely uh, position their money and their career going forward. So it's, it's an interesting model. Feels very un, uh, a small but wealthy and underserved population. And, and my question is, Rob, um, so why wouldn't a CAA or an ICM, a William Morris, one of the really big talent agencies, why wouldn't they potentially just launch their own version of, of this DAO uh, and kind of cut out this middleman to say, like, listen, if you're uncomfortable with some of the services that we provide, here is a different structure you could potentially buy into and have more say in, and then just own the whole thing, right? Like, is this, uh, does the CAA need to think heavily about this? 
Uh, I think they do. It's funny. Um, it makes me think just, just recently I was listening to a podcast with, with Kara Swisher and Scott Calloway. And this was a conversation where they were talking about some of the athlete led NFT companies that are starting to hit market. Tom Brady is being one that's getting a lot of buzz, but, but there are others. And, and Swisher postulated that this is a space that the agencies should strongly consider uh, entering mm. Um uh, the endeavors of the world on your, the CAAs, as you mentioned of the world uh, and baking, you know, sort of this idea of new services, right? These are agencies that provide like invaluable advisory representation services um, and provide, these are more or less sort of like the future of their services. Um, and I personally like the idea of baking sort of advisory and these sort of trust-driven models of sort of training that, that were being suggested into one place. I, so my answer is yes. Yeah. Because um, like, frankly, at the end of the day, like any technology that helps any population become more financially literate is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and creating some additional infrastructure around it. Uh, I guess maybe like a centralized node connected to this decentralized system uh, could be an interesting balance for agencies to explore. Well, and just to build on that quickly, it's so funny that the, that the players' company. I mean, I didn't read them, but they they list some of the the founders who are various sports stars who I have never heard of, candidly, um, or maybe I've heard of them, but I don't know their I don't know their names. Um, that's still a trust issue, right? They're still like, uh, why should I sign up? Well, this guy who I who is very successful says I should, or ICM, if they were to start this, or, or CAA, that would also make sense because there's a trust issue. The danger would be starting one of these things from someone unscrupulous, and then suddenly you have these, you know, these young people who are making $5 million a year who could see all their money lost in a, like, in a, in a scam DAO. Um, let's move on and talk a little bit more about uh, governance and how some of these actually run when they're set up. Yes, so we've talked about how DAOs could be used to run a company, a burger joint, or maybe uh, someone's career or their finances. Uh, we're going to talk about how we could maybe decentralize governments with a DAO. Uh, this article starts out by letting us know that DAO organizations like Aragon and DAO House have made available tools and smart contracts that meet basic government needs like voting and fund management, uh, and other more advanced but common needs like decentralized arbitration, credit-based lending platforms, DAO-governed social media platforms, and decentralized communication platforms. So they're making these tools available. They're kind of out there. We'll, maybe we'll have to test them. I don't know what country maybe is, would be interested in testing them. But um, we're seeing this company that we were speaking about before, SubDAO, is partnering to make a token called the, the Polkadot token. Um, and this is a governance token that allows holders to have a say in the future of the protocol. Essentially, they can vote on what happens. Um, and so think of DAOs like companies uh, where each person involved has a certain amount of shares and therefore voting power to make decisions on what the DAO will do, um, except it's all based in crypto and blockchain, kind of a repeat of what we've been talking about. But it's it's good to keep reminding ourselves what a DAO is. Um, the goal of the DAO, of this DAO, the Polkadot DAO, is, um, is to provide templates for companies, nonprofits, and educational organizations, VCs, and fund management groups, and even governments on how to kind of govern uh, autonomously and decentralized. Uh, so, Rob, it's interesting to think of how Polkadot's tech here might one day lead, the country, lead a country into being uh, a DAO. Uh, in which case, we might see every citizen having a heightened ability to vote on more frequent and specific or even the minutiae of policy changes in legislation. What are your thoughts on this possible future? 
Um, I, I'll give like kind of my balanced take on this, right? Like I think like overall, and, and maybe this is antithetical to the technology, I see it sort of as like an ingredient rather than like the recipe. Hmm. Um, meaning like there's things that are associated with the DAO, a lot of the like transaction-based things that Saif talked about at the beginning of our conversation. Um, I, I love the idea of, of this technology um, enabling uh, more frequent um, interaction of, um, of citizens in dictating sort of the future of their societies. But I mean, it's a balance, right? I mean, governments provide structure and, and, and a sort of centralized place for legislation and for, and, and for you know, managing civil, uh, society, right? And so like, where, where's the boundary, right? If we're gonna, they, I mean, personally, and I'm talking as like a policy guy and not as a CTO, like decentralizing a country is sort of antithetical to like the concept of a country, right? Right, if so, you want a decentralized so, country, go to the- So I'm having a little bit of trouble recognizing <laughs> reconciling all that in my own mind, but going back to my idea of this being like an ingredient, I think that any technology that can enable the people to participate more frequently with better information and more safely uh, from like a privacy standpoint is, is, a, is a very, very good thing creating more safe and secure systems that enable sort of like, I guess we're kind of calling like micro participation, right? You know, voting in presidential elections, but also perhaps like feeding into legislative processes and things like that. All of that is a good thing and very much worth uh, pursuing, particularly yeah. as, you know, there's more uh, voting from home and voting electronically and things like that. These are all technologies worth exploring and, and, and perhaps now at least in a more tactical way. Um, quick hot take, the token of uh, a country is uh, citizenship, <laughs> right? That is what gives you that voting power. So <laughs> it already kind of exists. And yeah, if you are interested in a decentralized government, um, try Somalia. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the humans behind some of this, because I think uh, when we talk about crypto, it is valuable to, to point out that uh, as much as it believes it exists solely in the blockchain, it is people behind it. And let's hear a little bit about the, the cool girls who are playing in this space. Yes, we loved this signal by Vox. We're talking about the cool girls of crypto and how specifically the group is called Boys Club. And it's kind of a play on the idea that a lot of these industries are Boys Club. They're um, the vast majority of crypto owners, I think like 90% are, are men. Um, and oftentimes they are white as well. And so this is a group called Boys Club and it's a collective of women and non-binary people. And they wanna create a no bro zone for crypto, for the crypto curious. Um, so the, the community exists mostly on web, uh, on Discord, which is kind of common for Web3. That's usually where the conversations are happening. Um, and there's around 800 members and they discuss topics um, in little chat groups that are named things like no dumb questions or spam watch or um, Dow Daddies is one of them. I actually don't know what that means, but it's in my notes. Uh, I might join just to figure out what that means. Um, all of which is aimed at making Web3 tech more accessible to more people. So the Boys Club itself is, a process, is in the process of becoming a DAO um, and are uh, exploring what the organization could become. So maybe it would be a tool for recruiting women to Web3 or maybe a startup investment firm. They're not sure yet. In any case, the founding members explain that the currency that is most valuable is the people you have in your Discord, which is very sweet. Mm. Um, Danny, I want to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to attempting to make dramatic shifts in the makeup of like a cultural group, um, like the crypto space in particular, why do you think community organizations like Boys Club um, are so important? 
basically because of the fact that if we're going to create a safe online space for everyone, we have to start it offline. And you notice they're meeting in person. Yes, they talk on Discord, but um, bringing everybody along. So even thinking about people who may not have digital reliability at home, who might be unbanked, we're starting to bring people along into this next phase, but it has to happen safely offline before we can do it online. So it's really critically important that these groups are starting to pop up and have conversations and bring people together to shepherd them into Web3 and the future of the internet. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting implication for brands in a certain way, and, and hear me out for this for a second, because you know, there are probably spaces in these conversations about NFTs and DAOs or categories where, where, where people who are underrepresented might feel more comfortable, right? We went to a, an NFT event that was fashion-focused. It was actually, if you notice, I mean, the, the gender ratio there was pretty, was at parity, right? I just don't believe that some of the other ones would look like that, right? As you said, 90% of people who own NFTs are, are men, right? Um, if you add questions of inclusion, if you add questions of social politics, you might get a group that's also more diverse. And so, I, you know, for brands who are interested in jumping in on this, and, and I had a client call earlier today with a brand that said they were launching their first NFT, I would encourage them to think about how you can use your position to uh, welcome more people in, right? And to, and to make the industry a little bit more inclusive. And let's stick with this human side of things for our final signal here about how all of this technology could shift our human potential. Yeah, we love this video. It's, it's um, uh, you know, from a conference. The speaker is Jovian Brown, and she's the founder of Diamond Dow, and she guides you through um, the current barriers to entry in the, the entire thing that is the crypto blockchain NFT DAO space, you know, that we can kind of lump together. Um, and in her talk, she speaks about one of the largest barriers to entry in the DAO space is the lack of the ability to learn all the new tools and protocols. You know, if you have kids or if you have maybe two jobs or if you're, um, you know, got dependents, you, you can't really, you don't really have the time to invest in learning this new thing. And, and that becomes a barrier. And what ends up happening is that you get a lot of single men age 24 to 40 joining the space. So her whole thing is, well, how do we invite more people? How do we create a future? We're talking about future technologies that is more diverse so that when we have, when the future comes to pass, it's more diverse. It's been, you know, created through different perspectives. So in our talk, she mentioned some examples of organizations that are looking to bring people in, like new diverse people into the, uh, the DAO space. Meta Gamma Delta is an inclusive and empowering society supporting women-led projects in Web3. And then, of course, her company, Diamond DAO, is looking to be kind of like the glass door of DAOs mm. and a resource to bring diverse groups into the DAO space. So, Saif, I'm going to throw this one to you. What do you think of DAOs, like, in general, after this conversation? Do you think that there's going to be this gold rush to invest in anything that has DAO in the title and we're all going to lose our minds and forget about NFTs and this is what we're obsessed with now? Um, or do you think there's a potential here to solve some like cultural issues around non-hierarchical organizations and diversity and ethical business and transparency? Um, what like So what do you, what do you think in here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of opportunity here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we, we talked about music. That's, that's a great one. You know, it's about fairness. It's about inclusion. Um, I definitely agree with Jovian. I, I saw that video and sometimes this is scary, right? You, you do one wrong thing and you've lost all the money in your wallet, mm -hmm. right? So we've got to fix those things. And lastly, I mean, we have to recognize this as a networked economy. 
and it's only as valuable as the size of the network. So even if it's only for selfish reasons, we, we have to include everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, the economy won't flourish. Um, so I, I, you know, I really appreciate what, what she and, and the organization are, are doing mm -hmm. uh, on this front. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll drop, we'll drop the video into the chat so everyone uh, watching can uh, watch as well after this briefing is done. Yeah, um, I think we're going to have to come back to this subject because there's a lot to discuss here, right? Uh, but that is going to take us through our briefing for the day. Uh, thank you to Carrera, Scythe, Danny, Jacob, and Rob. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. You can join us Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on our LinkedIn page. While you're there, jump in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts, your uh, perhaps needs for clarifications. We love no, we, we have a no dumb question attitude in there as well, right? So we can learn something from that uh, Boyzone uh, Discord group. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Q, our AI-powered cultural intelligence platform we use to inform this briefing, and how it can put quantitative uh, uh, culture uh, at the center of your business, please follow the link in the chat uh, to connect with our team. So... Until next week, consider yourselves briefed.